Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts. Mark and AJ. Joining us now live in studio, he's been in here the whole show, is a man who was born just up the road from here in East Yapank. He's named after former New York Yankee third, base, Cleet, third baseman Cleet Boyer, which AJ and I have shared a hot dog with, just so you know. Whoa. All right, when we were up in Whoa. Cooperstown. Great, great stories about Cleet yeah, we, Boyer. We do have some great stories about Cleet Boyer. Boyer. We can tell you about that. Uh, he's a close friend of your grandparents. Uh, while at Longwood High School, you played cornerback, wide receiver on the Longwood Lions football team, won the 2004 Long Island Championship. You wrestled, learned jiu-jitsu. In your senior year, you set the New York State deadlift record for men weighing up to 145 pounds by lifting 470 pounds. Uh, you began <laughs> boxing as a professional in 2011 when you were 22 years old. December of 2014, you won the World Boxing Council International Silver Light Welterweight Championship. It's a pleasure to man- the- welcome the man they call the Hebrew Hammer. Cletus Seldon to WLIE 540 AM Sports Talk New York. I was going to do that as Michael Buffer, but I, I nah. only did, I, I just couldn't. Not we did that once. You have to do it as Jimmy Lennon Jr. after last right. night. Right, that's true. Ah. You know. I, I did that with Evanda Holyfield. I was able to right. do the real deal. That means <laughs> you could that. draw that out. But, uh, you know, <laughs> and incredibly, this is odd. You were not the first Jewish championship boxer right. we've had here. We've, we've uh, cornered whoa. the market yes, out, I think. Yuri Foreman has been a guest on this show okay. before as well. But way back in the 30s and 40s, there were a lot more Jewish. Boxers, yeah, Max Bear, Abatel, Barney Ross, all who went to high school with AJ. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Benny Leonard. uh, But then in the 80s, all of a sudden, there aren't that many. Yes. Why do you think that happened, and and why is it now making somewhat of a resurgence? Well, when all the, um, when everybody came in here, the Jewish population was the ones that came here from on Ellis Island, so they were the new poor people. They were the ones that were boxing. There was more Jewish um, boxers then than there ever was at any part of the, at that period in the 20s and the 30s. There was only Jewish fighters. They were the poorest ones. And throughout history, they've gone up and became the owners of all the companies. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because when we spoke to uh, Jake LaMotta, it was yeah. similar. It, it, you know, he was an immigrant, and he always yeah. had a fight for everything yep. because he was always looked upon. So, so how then? To follow up Mark's question, do you get into boxing as opposed to, say, med school? Well, <laughs> my brother is a doctor, <laughs> so, and he graduated from here, and I'm like, no big deal. Um, I don't know. He was so good at being a doctor, and I knew I could never touch him in that. And because I was so good in sports, and because we came from a little bit of a, a blue-collar, low-income family, I had to get away out of the house, and sports I took like, it was no other. I loved it. I loved being on the field. If uh, one of my friends were playing a softball game, I'd play three games. I want to pitch every single game. Uh, wrestling, I want to be the first one there, last one to leave. I just loved being out of my house and being part of uh, a team, being around people, and be able to show how hard that I want to work, even as a kid. You know, it's interesting because we mentioned in, in the open that your nickname is the Hebrew Hammer, and you can see if you're watching us on Facebook Live or on Sportscast, you can see yeah. Ryan modeling the Hebrew Hammer at right. T, which the you know, tank top did not look good on me. Um, in honor of your Jewish heritage, you, you wear a Star of David on your trunks. Right. The back of your jacket says, Remember Masada. Why is it important for you to remember your heritage in that way? 
Because, um, like you said, there aren't too many Jewish boxers, let alone athletes in this entire world. Um, so I want to be proud and show people that we're not just doctors or lawyers or business owners. We are fighters, and I represent that by far like the greatest way possible. And uh, by doing that and being a part of the sport of boxing, I can show that I'm wearing a Star of David on my trunks, remember the Masada on the back, and being part of something special where you don't find that in any other sports because of their uh, their rulings. You can't go outside their uniform and stuff like that. So I 100% feel that I'm obligated to do this for, for not just myself, for, for all the, the Jewish community. So I was thinking about that. And, you know, given the events of Charlottesville, Virginia, two weeks ago, Correct. do you find, you know internalizing, do you find it more pressure on you to do it now more so than ever? Or almost like, you know, maybe I might want to back off of this a little bit. You know, how do you internalize that at this point? Uh, yeah, it can only be internalized because if I said something out in public, I'd definitely get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but if um, deep down, I you wouldn't even think stuff like that was going on in 2017. And for them to just be marching around like it's insane, the things that they're saying is... Uh, actually degrading to be almost an American kind of person. You're like, how am I living in this country? And these people are want to just, they literally said they want to kill us for yeah. no reason. Right. For so, no reason. Right. So I'm a cool Jewish guy. I'm an athlete. <laughs> I'm broke. I'm ready to have fun. So, Jesus. Let's ask the question a slightly different way. So boxing for years to try and promote interest has played the race card and other things like that. Right. How would you feel if somebody tried to match you up against a Nazi. Oh, he'd be oh. dead. He's a dead man. Oh. He is a dead man. You put a, one of those guys in there, I think I'll have the whole world looking yeah. down on me. Well. Oh, man, yeah, forget, McGregor, anyway. right. forget McGregor Mayweather. Oh, You're already yeah. promoting this. We got the nice, Hebrew hammer. Right. Nice going there, AJ. Right. Wow. But it would be... Uh, <laughs> wow. There would be just so much hatred and right. fire that I would literally have to die right. in the Fighting ring. Fighting the German bomber Gerhard oh, okay. Schultz. Uh, enough. All right. <laughs> Let's not go there. All right. No so chance. It, it's interesting. We, we spoke to Wade Boggs before and his great-grandfather, you know, fought yep. in the Revolutionary War. And, you know, he didn't have many stories about Aaron Boggs. I want to know, more importantly, your grandfather, Lee Selden. Right. Headed a motorcycle club, yeah. in the Dragons in Bed Stuy in Brooklyn yeah. no. in the fifties. Now yeah. Wade might not have had revolutionary stories. I need to hear a Lee Selden story. There's got to be a great one somewhere. Well, um, my dad, uh, my grandfather, was the smallest guy, just like me. I'm only 140. If I 140, they said he was the smallest, toughest guy. He died uh, just a year after I was born, and my grandmother died just a week after I was born. So. It's funny because my parents would never really tell us too many stories, but he actually built a monster mobile. He was the guy that if he broke down, he can build a, a skateboard to get you anywhere. And uh, everybody knew, you do not mess with Lee Selden. He was just the, like the, the bad man. Like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about him because the, the the stories that you heard, especially being part of a gang in Bed-Stuy in the 50s. Just imagine yeah. that. No, I can't. It just, yeah. it just, I wish I knew more to tell, but uh, maybe I'll have to get out of my parents one day because, you know, they just don't let it go. You know, we talked about boxing and the changes in boxing over the years. One of the things that used to be way back in the days when they were great Jewish fighters is they have the club fights and the club fighters, and there are places like Sunnyside Gardens mm -hmm. with really the training ground for the major fights at place in Madison Square Garden. So, your home arena, as it were, is the Paramount Theater in Huntington. So what does that mean to you, A, to be fighting in Huntington and be fighting in a place they can sort of call 
your place? Like, what's it like to fight at the Paramount? Yeah, um, fighting there. I think going in for number seventeen. This is the seventeenth yep. time selling it out every single time, and it's in Suffolk County, so it's still a little bit easy getting all my Shirley boys out there and everybody out in Eastern Long Island there. It is it just, it's literally a home. I know where every single thing is. We got to find something. We get treated like royalty. We went there to watch the fights last night. Uh, I show up. I just take my glass off and plate. It's like, oh, come right in. And we literally know every single spot of the, the whole arena. I know if we need anything. And the just the whole atmosphere with the employees and the managers. You go, oh, there he is. Someone say, I don't know. And it's, it's just a great feeling to know that you you you're the you're the guy there. Uh, they've put on a lot of good uh, artists there. They've only played there about once or so, and I've played there so almost now 17 times. Yeah. So it's a great a, one of the best venues for boxing for like a club show, like you said. So who gets more people that are more excited when you fight or when Chris Algieri fights? Are you kidding? Chris Algieri's a snooze fest. You're gonna fall asleep. <laughs> oh, whoa. You guys all know that. I'm gonna tell you that. You wow. guys won't even wake up. Wow. I, I, when I used to want to go to bed at night, I would put them on TV and I just go right to bed <laughs> instantly before the bell even rang. I'd be in sleep. <laughs> right, so it's interesting. We were talking in, in between the break. You know what transpired. Obviously, was huge boxing news. You had Floyd we- uh, Mayweather Jr. versus uh, Conor McGregor. All right, an MMA guy. Yep. And a boxer. Um, AJ and I are older than you. Obviously, I'm a boxing guy. I've yeah. never gotten into MMA. I, I can't get into MMA. And I, it- I actually in the same way. And, and I, I was wa- I was watching the fight last night. There are a few of us who were like my AR age, and your age, my son, okay. well, your, your <laughs> age too, and and you know my, my son who is your age, uh, and some his of his friend. friends, right. and I'm sitting there rooting for Mayweather, and they're there rooting for yep. McGregor, yep, because they love MMA. So, as a boxer, what are the two different disciplines like? How does you know what's the difference in training? And why do you think this got to, I mean, why did it take this to bring the younger people to watch boxing? And do you think it will carry over? Do you think now that they saw what a boxer can do to an MMA guy, maybe the shift will be more back to boxing? Um, You'll see probably more MMA fighters going to the boxing ring now. Um, But when I grew up and I went to the boxing gym for the first time, I was the first wrestler to ever go there, take a beating, and be able to come back over and over and over again. The coach said to me, he's like, you're the first wrestler that ever came here that took a punch and actually came every day. Um, most of the MMA guys usually are wrestlers. They go into college. They die. They're a little spoiled compared to professional boxing. We, we don't got no colleges that we go to. We're just straight up, work hard every day, get paid nothing, and, and bust our chops. Um, On to the uh, boxing training. Boxing is, as you can see last night, was based off of strategy, which is the biggest thing that um, I even told Ray that MMA does not have. Usually when an MMA match, they just go out there and they beat the hell out of each other in the first round. Whoever wins, wins one round. Uh, Floyd Mayweather's strategy is we have 12 rounds. And from everybody knew that McGregor does not do good in the longer later rounds and even in the MMA fight um, I actually changed my decision on how I wanted the fight to go after the weigh-ins uh, after I saw that uh, Mayweather came in at 149 and then McGregor came at 153 exactly 
I knew he was going to blow up to 170. I knew he was going to be dead by the by, – I said eight and a half rounds. He actually went a little bit further. So it's interesting because um, there's a place on Hempstead Turnpike. My son does, like, some boxing lessons. He, he took me there. And I, I tell you, I mean, you did legitimately, like, a round. You know, you, oh, it's exhausting. It, totally exhausting. So for an MMA guy like McGregor, if, let's say, in MMA he starts to tire – he can maybe pick up a guy, slam him to the ground, and try and recoup his, you know, Absolutely. endurance. So, you know, it looked to me that Floyd was kind of just carrying him for a couple of rounds right. to say, all right, you know, I want the people to get their money's worth. I don't want to hear anything afterwards that this was a joke and blah, 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 blah. Let him tire himself out because I felt that he felt that no matter how hard he punched him, he wasn't knocking him yeah. down. And he, he knew that he could knock him down, and he didn't care about the points right. early on. So if an MMA guy does want to make it as a boxer, how do they have to tra- train? Because it it's brutal. Like, I was almost heaving. I mean, granted, yeah, yeah, I'm out yeah. of shape, but it was like, it, it was maybe one of the most exhausting things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, oh, well, the first topic was McGregor, what we wanted out of McGregor was that warrior code, like that I'm going to die in the ring, I'm going to do it, because that's what he that's what he fronts, that's what he tells every single person. I'm going to do the, I'm going to die in the ring, I swear. But what happened was he got tired, he backed up, and he put his hands down. down. His arms were so tired he couldn't even yeah, do nothing. Mayweather didn't even spar for one month before the fight. He didn't spar the whole month of the fight. So right then and there, Mayweather didn't even have to do anything. All he had to do was use his, put his hands up, McGregor, like I said about the UFC guys, they come out banging as hard as they can in the beginning of the fight, and then they hoping it's over. So that was uh, so that. What was the uh, second question? Second question is how can MMA guys make the shift to become boxers? Oh, they're gonna have to go to the boxing gym. You have to go to the boxing gym. There was so much different training. I watched McGregor doing his training. He's he's uh, like he's doing rowing. Uh, he's doing some some weird stuff. He wasn't really ever working on technique. And if you want to get really good really fast, you have to spar with professional fighters and guys that are better than you. He wasn't doing it. He was just born pulling on analogy. Who cares? Paulie's a two-time world champion that's based off using his legs and fights with one hand, who's a small 147-pounder who doesn't even fight no more. He's a full-time uh, broadcaster. So if he went out there and brought in some real professional fighters, got beat up every day, he would know how the dogfight and the grind of how hard this sport really is. Um, like you said before, when... Uh, he would get tired. He would take down opponents. He would go, this kind of warrior he's not, he would go and try to take down Nick Diaz. Uh, um, and Nick Diaz is what? A Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, black belt? Why would you be taking this guy <laughs> down, but you're just trying to find a way out be, instead of trying to show that warrior code, like that Mickey Ward and uh, Gotti kind of thing? You know, you uh, want, that's like, that, right? you know, these guys are going out there to kill each other, and they're going to leave it all out there. He doesn't have that. Can I ask the question the other way? Why should an MMA fighter want to box uh just so he can yeah. be better than everybody else you can learn how to be you can see yesterday mcgregor did not know how to fight on the inside that takes that took me six years to learn every day to learn how to fight just on the inside Hold the he just knew how to do a hammer fist he didn't know how to fight on the inside it was just a, it was really it was incredibly uh frustrating to watch as a boxer yeah. to see him not knowing how to do one thing at all except some hammer fist but if he'd gotten there and sparred with world-class guys he would have known how to pick up some tricks because that's what his purpose was with Paulie was to pick up tricks instead of trying to bully him, which he, what he did. Let's shift the attention now back to you. You're ah. 31 days now from returning to the ring after a layoff of 465 Ooh. days. All right. 
Um, as we said, you're going to be returning to a very familiar venue. Uh, it's going to mark your 12th straight fight there. Uh, 16 out of 20 fights in your career at the Paramount in Huntington. How excited are you about getting back in the ring? And does that layoff kind of in your back of your mind saying, wow, it's been a long time? Uh, yes and no. Um, right after my last fight in June, I went from fighting that fight to literally booking a fight, um, a big fight that was going to be on the uh, HBO yep. undercard, which got canceled. So we were like, oh, all right. So then we were training for another fight that was going to be in June 12th. No, February 1st. February. Oh, okay. And then, because um, they said they were going to oh, we were gonna get another date. Boom, so they canceled that one. Then we had the one in June. So I went to training camp three times. And literally uh, eight weeks, eight, uh, eight days before the fight, they canceled it, which was like, oh, how are you going to cancel it eight days before? Should have canceled it a month and a half ago. But uh, then I went from taking a week off to, hey, we actually got a fight for you in September. I'm like, all right, let's go, baby. Well, here's the interesting thing. The fight was just announced last week, yep. all right, which they, you don't know who the – have they announced the opponent yet? They got some um, um, some kid from France. I don't know how they find these opponents. They literally find these people. All, I don't know if they just like, hey, uh, there's a guy in France. Let's call him over and fly him over. He's, he was a France world champion, but I I, I saw his uh, style. He throws a lot of punches, so uh, he's going to be very active, and that's not good against me. Okay, so like 31 days to prepare for this fight. Okay, now you know the opponent. What is the training regimen now? I mean, Wade Boggs talked about visualization. Right. Do you get to watch films? I, films have been a part right. of boxing forever. Yeah. But I imagine now with all the technology, you know, someone is analyzing, you know, how many rights he throws, how many lefts, how many jabs, how many hooks. Does, does someone break down the film work for you? And, and, and what's your normal training regimen day like 31 days out now? So with the film... Something with boxing. Boxing is built around older trainers. Um, if you ask my trainer if he wants to, hey, let's go do some strength and conditioning. He's like, okay, go pick that rock up, move it over there. We'll push some cards, oh. do your push-ups, and that's it. Uh, the best boxing strategy. No is, chasing the rooster. And yeah, it, it's stuff <laughs> like that. Like if I follow him on a bike. That's how the best boxers are. They use these old school uh, techniques. Women, women weaken legs. Yeah, this is crazy. I swear to God, it's, I swear, it's just like that. Boxing is stuck in this time period. Uh, like. They don't even go on YouTube, these guys, you know, uh, like the boxing trainers. So, but if we're watching a video, we just watch as old school as it could be. You would think, like, you know, how baseball is and the other sports, the how many right hands. Yeah, exactly. He does this in the third round. Um, what we do is I have one particular coach, Joe Gadijan, who he'll go out there and he'll watch film and film and film, and he'll, 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 he'll do a little bit of work for me, and then I'll just catch it quickly. I want to sit there and just study it. Uh, maybe two or three times um, a week we'll watch a video on that. I go to training camp next Sunday, and that's in West Palm Beach, and that's where all the work really gets done. For me, I just stay in shape here, and then I do a lot of work there. We spar five days a week so there, how sometimes do you find, six. With 31 days to prepare for this particular opponent, how do you find a sparring partner who mimics that opponent's style? Um, we, uh, my, my trainer, Pete Brodsky, trained five world champions, and in Florida, he's a retired uh, NYPD officer, so he has the whole lay of the land going on. He knows exactly where we're going. Uh, we're going to be heading down to uh, Fort Lauderdale. There's this skinny black kid that throws so many freaking punches, but he can't crack an egg. And he is, <laughs> but he boxes awesome. you into shape unbelievably. Like, and then my uh, my trainer will pay him like forty bucks or so, and we'll just work and work and work and work and then get that working and. 
uh, the difference between me and him is he's boxing to box me. I'm boxing for strategy. I'm using all my so, uh, all my strategy. That's what I one thing we have over everyone else strategy. So you talk about the strategy, and it, clearly there's a mental aspect to it that MMA doesn't have. You know, they're just going out there and they're right. brawling. They're getting on the floor and everything. But so let's say you're in the middle of the fight. Are you like mentally counting the amount of punches you're you're throwing, or are you just saying like I want him to work more? I'm gonna play a little bit more defense. Like what kind of strategy are you going into a fight mentally with? Um, mentally, I don't want to get hit. Pretty much, I, uh, yeah, no I and I never want to um, stand still, ever. I don't want to stand still. I always want to be moving. The fight last night, you saw the fighters, they were pretty much standing in front of each other. Nobody was creating angles. My whole thing, I like to create, create angles, and everybody knows if I hit them with a the right hand, the fight's over every time. So I'm literally sitting there, I'm, I'm adjusting to his jab, seeing what he does, um, prior watching film or whatever and what happens when I do a certain thing say if I jab to his stomach does he drop his hand if I go lower than him does he do uh, does he drop it a little bit lower does he throw his jab and he comes back here how far of, uh, of a millisecond can I take advantage of you one of uh, Floyd Mayweather why he was so good was he knew if I can hit you in that millimeter of a second when you're off balance that he can take advantage of you and that's what he did every time so, so the fight is the night before Yom Kippur yeah. Are you going okay. to have a lot to atone for there the next was, day? There was a lot of discussion about that, man. There was a lot of discussion. Uh, <laughs> we had to ask a lot of people if we were okay to fight. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Uh, I would have fought. It's the night before. What yeah. is the 10 days of awe? Oh, oh man. It was uh, It was very, we had wow. to, like I said, we had to go and talk to a, a lot of different people to make sure that it was okay for us to do it. So I was like, all right, perfect, perfect, perfect. I know you're not a big fan of Chris Algieri based on what you said before. <laughs> yeah. um, growing up, was there any boxer that you looked at and said, wow, that's what I want to be? Is there a guy that inspired you? Yeah, I, again, I, I didn't start boxing when I was 22 years old. We didn't even have cable in our house until I was like 16. So I, like, I didn't get to watch boxing. I, I got to see it on the Internet. And uh, for some reason, I really liked Ricky Hatton growing up. Ricky Hatton, I just loved the way he did his... Uh, Maybe because he was the only white guy in boxing at the time, <laughs> and he was so little, and I liked the way he did his, his punching and his attitude and his charisma, and that's what everybody remembers about all these fighters. Yeah, Prince uh, yeah. Nassim, his yeah, entrance. We, yeah. all, we all remember those, but I liked the way how he ripped his body shots and stuff like that. I, Joe Frazier, Rocky Marciano. Uh, Some people say uh, I look like Rocky when I fight because I'm so strong. I'm the strongest 140-pounder in uh, the entire world. It's, nobody can... So for people me. that have never seen you box, all right, 19 and 0, you got a, a fight coming here, which I I already circled. I have to call tomorrow to get yeah. tickets because I definitely want to get there. Uh, I was Absolutely. with a friend of mine, and he said oh, we're there. Um, so we're we're gonna be there Perfect. as long as there are tickets still available. Um, as someone who's never seen you, tell them what they should expect coming to your fight. Well, um, the difference between my fights and everybody else's fights is it doesn't matter if I'm the first fight or the last fight. I'm the most exciting fight of the night. I come there to win, and I come there to win by a knockout every single time. Uh, my conditioning and my strength alone has proved that I am one of the best junior welterweights in the world. So you're definitely going to be satisfied. And I know what my job is. My job is to make sure that you or the fan are entertained and not just there to come see somebody win a fight. You come in there to get entertained. And that's what my job is. Hey, AJ and I, as we've explained to you, are huge boxing fans. So over the years, I, I, we've probably had like 20 to 30 boxers. Wow. Sugar Ray, Marvin Hagler, uh, Jake, LaMotta, Jake LaMotta, Jerry Cooney. Uh, you know, there's just so many of them. And the one question I always have for them is that, and it goes back for me to Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was invincible Correct. until he wasn't invincible. 
until Buster Douglas hurt him. Then he was a different boxer. How do you overcome, like, first of all, in your 19 fights, have you ever been hurt? And if so, how do you overcome that? Like, because I would imagine that's the moment where you're either going to be a great boxer to overcome that. Right. Or you're always going to have in the back of your mind that one shot that hurt you. Right. Um, The biggest thing is once you lose that confidence, once you lose that confidence, the world is different. You look at the world different. You look at somebody else, ah, maybe he can beat me, maybe he can do that. If you keep that confidence, you will be fine. You, As long as you have it, and obviously uh, Mike Tyson lost it, and then he just tried to bring it back um, on, on in fights, and not really how he used to do it. So you got to have that confidence. Once that confidence is broken, you better go see some... Uh, some, some therapists, choke coaches to help you out there. And I'm serious. You got to go see him. Yeah. Because you got you can see, look at McGregor. Look at all these guys that you looked broken yesterday. His confidence was shot. Right. And was. same thing when he fought Nick Diaz the first time. When he, he lost yeah. that confidence. Right. And he always had that little that tweak in his armor. <laughs> and uh, even though he fronts that he has this big one, but you see him off this, this, this stri- uh, off right. the uh, uh, TV, he's sitting there, he's a little kid, you know, but just like, you know. Yeah, in, right. Yeah. But you can't blame him because he enjoys it. All right, quickly before we go, where can people get tickets, the date, tell them all the info? Yeah, uh, the fight is the September 28th at the Paramount. It's always sold out, even though it's on a Thursday night. That's the kind of promoter we have. Our promoter built a Thursday night because he knows we can sell it out. If it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it was. Um, you well, he wouldn't have them. had the Hebrew hammer on uh, Thursday, Friday because it would have been the uh, high holidays. True that, true that. Um, <laughs> but you can get them at the Paramount, or you can find me on Facebook, Cleta Selden, and I can add you, and you, there you go. And uh, you can buy the tickets.